Well, yeah, the advantage we have, the other food safety publications tend to be weekly or monthly or every other month, which right. is good for long-term kind of broad stories. But right. if you want to know what's happening right now, we're daily. We're the only place you can go. Everybody's got to eat, and nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Well, Chuck, yes. it's a pleasure to interview you. You're with... It's- Chuck Jolly with Food Safety News. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I've been with Food Safety News almost from the beginning, which was a long time ago, about 12 years. And the way I got started with this whole thing is Bill Marler, the guy who founded the thing, wanted a marketing plan. So I wrote a marketing plan for him to make this pay by, by advertising. And then he said, you're going to sell it. So not wanting to argue with one of the top lawyers in the country. I said, yeah, Uh, yeah. I knew that was a losing proposition. Uh, Yeah. Very few people try to actually argue with him in court. So probably a good idea not to as a marketing guy. And the guys that try to argue, they lose. So I'm good. So Food Safety News has been around for 14 years now, correct? Uh, About 12 years. About 12 years. 12 years, yeah. I've been with them for about 10 Yeah, and so we just recently, Francine and I, did an episode on how you guys wrote an article about what you've done over the last, since you've been around 12 years, and what is that next, and what we are pontificating about is what the next 12 years will look like, and I would love for you to just talk about what you've seen since 12 years ago with Food Safety News, which is the number one platform, really, for food safety in in the nation, where you've seen Food Safety News go and where you think Food Safety News is going to go in the future. Wow. That's a really open-ended question there. I have a follow-up to that. What is the most bizarre story you've ever seen come through Food Safety News? (laughs) And is there anything you've ever refused to print that's like four questions. <laughs> a full of them. Like, this is, yeah. <laughs> I could keep going. And see, stop acting like a fangirl right now. It's like Taylor yeah, Swift across the room. I am, I am a fangirl. <laughs> well, we, so when we interviewed Bill, I'm like, I am such a fangirl. <laughs> Don't let her ask any more questions. <laughs> yeah. Where we're going, where we've been. We started off, when I, when I started with with. The, the publication, we had about 8,500 subscribers. And they were a very tight-knit food safety community, that group. Today, we're at about 53,000 subscribers Wow! from that beginning base. And it's a lot broader within the industry. We've got 330,000 social media followers. Wow. Which tend to be general public kind of people, which right. kind of tells you Maybe not so much about us, but about the interest that food safety issues has and, and how it's become a major important kind of a thing in, 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 the, in the public. So, yeah. And then stories that we wouldn't publish. I don't think we've ever had one that we wouldn't. 
We only get, of course, stories about food safety issues. Right. So we don't have to worry about scandalous, scurrilous kinds of things. There's some stories that we got over the transom that we edited because we didn't think as it applied, as it came to us, that it was quite appropriate. But we could see some real interest in what that subject matter was. So a little judicious editing made it much, much better. So, yeah, that's where we go on that. We, I don't think we'd really turned out any legitimate story. But like I said, we get it from all kinds of people. We have our own staff who research and write very well. And then we have probably several hundred people who contribute from week to week, month to month, year to year, from people like Brian Ronholm, Aaron Detweiler, all of those kinds of people, people in the industry who know what they're talking about, who have their fingers on the pulse of the industry. Those like things Francine come in. Jean. Was yeah, that was literally, <laughs> you got to tell the story about when you first started with your PR manager. Oh my God. So yeah, when I first started writing for the industry, one of my goals was to write for Food Safety News. That was the publication that I wanted to be in. So I told my PR agent, it's okay. So clearly I want to write for the industry, but within 12 months, I want to be in Food Safety News. That is the publication that I want to write for. Yeah. And I was in Food Safety News within 12 months. So I've mm. contributed a few articles, but yeah, that was my goal. Was ah, that's good. You look a lot friend here, so. <laughs> she just says, yeah. <laughs> we have that kind of relationship. <laughs> so you were talking about earlier, Bill Marler, basically, and Bill Marler, we interviewed him and he basically said the same thing. His partner's like, why am I spending money for this publication, Food Safety News? So it's gone from that to you helping to make it an actual entity that could be self-sufficient, right? Not to interrupt, but I thought you meant that Bill said that I looked smarter than you. <laughs> no! Sorry. Well, he probably was thinking about that, but he didn't say it. <laughs> he left it to his marketing guy to say it. <laughs> I'm sorry, back to the question. No, but so, well, the next 12 years, where do you see that going? Wow. Yeah. Where, where is the publishing industry going in the next 12 years? It's a broad-based question. Back when I started in publishing, it was ink on paper. This internet play that we are, we're a pure internet play. We don't print anything. That didn't exist. And if you suggested to people that might be the future of the industry, they'd laugh and walk away. It exists now, and it's dominating the industry. Ink on paper is starting to go away. So... Where will we be in 10, 15 years? Depends on how efficient your computer gets, how quickly you can download stuff, uh, how fast uh, the, the, the material can appear on your screen. It's a whole electronic gizmo thing. And it's, it's really hard to, hard to pinpoint, but we will be bigger as we watch interest in food safety issues grow battle way past industry-wide to, to the general public, there's going to be more and more people that are going to be looking for answers, looking for solutions, and they're going to come to the food safety publications, us as well as everybody well, else. As far as the industry is concerned, you are where we go. And when I say we, I don't just mean Matt and I, but leaders. You're where we go for our news. You're the first publication that we open up in the morning to find out what's happening in the food safety world. Like you are one of the, the industry. Well, yeah, the advantage we have 
The other food safety publications tend to be weekly or monthly or every other month, which right. is good for long-term kind of broad stories. But right. if you want to know what's happening right now, we're daily. We're the only place you can go. So you can read about us about an issue today, tonight, tomorrow morning with Food Safety News. You can read about it next week or next month with somebody else because that's their publication right. schedule. Right. So, And that's... And there are a lot of tech plays with print, but maybe just because you guys started off with only tech, you're not thinking in terms of publication cycle. You're thinking in terms of the news of today, right? Our entire staff spends all of their time, I think sometimes too much of their time, watching for news to pop. They'll, they'll look everywhere that it might show up and they grab it first and they put it on. I think we do that morning newsletter, 7 a.m. every day, Monday through Sunday, but that's a compendium of the previous day's news. And a lot of the news items that show up on there will show up on our website two o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock in the afternoon. And then the next morning you get the collection of the four or five or six most recent stories. So yeah, it's as quick and as on point as we can possibly make it yeah which is very different and it's so cool it's impressive. It's, it's impressive one of the things we talk about all the time is when you start a podcast everybody says oh one of the hardest things about doing a podcast is finding content and francine and i laugh because we do editorial for food safety news <laughs> food safety news provides so much content that, like I said to you earlier, two-thirds of our content comes from Food Safety News. And so all we're doing in our podcast is figuring out what will our audience be the most interested in, and we just R&D, rob and duplicate your content. <laughs> but we did, when you guys wrote that article, what you've done in the last 12 years, we talked about that because it's the reason why you said you have 300,000 what do you, how much do you say Facebook? We've got about 330,000 people who follow us on social media. Yeah. About 210,000 followers on Facebook. 210,000 people follow. And, and so that's why Francine and I looked at the podcasts of the world. We knew we wanted to do podcasts about five years ago. It took us four years to figure out how to do it. But we went through, we like, there's great podcasts in the industry for food safety nerds. We call them food safety nerds. We're food safety nerds. There isn't really good podcasts out there for, that are about food safety for the consumers. And so we looked at food safety news and we're like, okay, well, we want to be like that. Well, we're talking about what's happening in the news right now and use that content for consumers. So not really going into the weeds about the efficacy of environmental testing, <laughs> right? Which is fantastic if you're running food safety programs in a plant, but we're really more like what moms and dads now, what's going on in the industry and what they need to be worried about. And so I just feel, thank you for providing that platform because, and one of the things I love too is after every article about something, there is it talks about listeria. So if there's a listeria outbreak, then you're like, every article has, what do you look for listeria? What do you look for if you have E. coli? And so it's listing off for the consumer to know what they need to do or what they need to be looking for if they consume that product. And so it's really cool. It's not just a news resource. It provides the additional resources as well yeah. for the average layman, if you will, which is very beneficial. 
Yeah, so you have a ton of poisoned books. Looks like you got rid of a ton of poisoned books. <laughs> well, earlier today, guys, there was a massive stack of poison books, and they are all gone. And so don't tell us a little bit about poison, and Bill Marler had a big part of it. And have you seen an influx of consumer interest since that Netflix episode came out. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was one of the big surprises. We knew it would be an interesting, fairly well-watched documentary. We didn't know it would be that interesting and that well-watched, and the numbers were off the charts. When we started looking around for, okay, what happened afterwards? How, how much social media pickup did it get? That was astounding. TikTok alone had several thousand little bits and pieces based on the documentary. The documentary, by the way, it was based on the book. They're really two different things, but the basis for the documentary was the material within the book, which was about Bill Marler's involvement with Jack in the Box in the early 1900s and how that exploded into something much, much larger, I think, than anybody imagine. Yeah. And just for clarification, it was the early 1900s or the early 1990s. <laughs> I just want... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So when this was before the documentary was released, we're talking about, we think, how did we think consumers were going to relate to this documentary? What kind of impact was it going to have on consumers? And was it going to change the mentality really on the way they related to the industry and the impact and whatnot. And it really did have quite the impact. Yeah. I think the real core of the thing was a lot of people looked at foodborne illness as something that happens to somebody else. It doesn't yeah. happen to me. I don't have to really worry about it that much. But the documentary said, no, wait, look, it happens to people like you and like you, and it harms children and it harms older people. And all of a sudden, it brought it home to millions of people. I, I said, wait a minute, this is critically important. I need to pay attention to it. And more and more people are starting to hone in on food safety issues. They understand that it's not just something that happens to somebody they don't know. It's somebody that happens to their family, the family across the street, they know the urgency and the importance of food safety. And that's, I think, the genius of the way that documentary was put together. It made it personal. Yeah. Right. So on a complete side note, I know that because you and I have talked in the past and I've purchased advertising from Food Safety News. Where do you see the companies that advertise with you? What are some of the biggest successes that you've seen? Wow, there's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what we can bring to the advertisers is a wider audience than they've experienced before. Huh. Yeah, because, you know, we have more direct subscribers than anybody else. And we have way more social media subscribers, if you will. So the audience that they can send their message to is huge. It's sometimes, depending on, on who we're up against, two or three times bigger than the other guy can bring. I don't want to say we're two or three times more effective because of that, because the, the core audience, the people who actually buy, that's pretty finite. 
but in order to get the message to them with the frequency that they need so that you're top of mind when they need your product, that's the advantage we have. If you're advertising with a publication that goes out every other month or once a month, you get one chance, one time, put your message in front of all of your consumers. With Food Safety News, you get 30 chances every month, every day, every morning to put your message in front of that consumer. Not only that, but the average person, at least I would guess, because I know that I do, when you open an article or you open that publication to look at that, you open it multiple times. I don't look at an article just once, or I don't open that just once a day. I'm opening it many times a day. So every time you open it, that article. The message there. Yeah. The important thing, I think, uh, the most important thing I've learned, I've, I've been in this business for way too many years. <laughs> You were a child when I started. Thank you. Because he's been calling me mom. Thank you. I've done it like twice. Thank you. Forever. Until you want to buy something, you don't notice the ads. That's a hard thing for people to learn. Those ads can be in front of you 50 times. You're not interested. You don't need it. You don't notice it. Now I need lab services, and all of a sudden I'm seeing lots of lab service ads. Huh, it's interesting. I never thought about that. I noticed Tainted and Dr. Darren Detweiler. <laughs> okay, so anything else? What do you like about Food Safety Consortium? We're asking everybody this question. That's another one. Dude, what do you like about, you've been here, is this the first time you've been to this conference? First time I've been here, yeah. So what, do you, what are your thoughts? What do you like about Food Safety Consortium? I'm still making up my mind about that. I like the smaller audience. You go to IAFP, for instance, and there's 5,000 of your closest friends. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to talk to that guy way over there, you can't find him. But here, you've got the attendee list up front. You can go through it. You can say, I need to talk to this person. I need to, And there he is. You can walk right over and shake his hand and, and talk with him. A limited audience, yes, but it's a very good audience. And... It's a very findable audience. I like being able to run into you because I know you're here at IAFP. I might look for you for three days and I would find you, Chuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're pretty determined. We would, we, we would find you. <laughs> so what does trust mean to you? Well, if I give you my word, you better be able to go to the bank on it, don't you think? That's yeah. I feel. Yeah. And that's the way I try to operate. That's the way we all try to operate in food safety news. If we tell you we're going to do something, we do it. If we absolutely positively cannot do it for some reason, we get back to you and we tell you what's going on. That's the way you have to do business. Not just us, but anybody that's successful in this business. Yeah. My word is my bond and I absolutely live and die by it. So, yeah, yeah, that's what it means. What, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? No, I agree 100%. I don't think you should have to sign 3,000 documents to prove your word. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And if I can't, I will get back to you. Yeah, I, I agree. I we're working up an agreement to co-sponsor a television show. We were part of Food Safety News. We supplied some background materials. And there was no money exchange. It was just, okay, we'll promote your event. You'll promote us. We'll shake hands. We'll go away. 
four-page document from their legal team. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Why? No. I'll shake your hand. I'll give you what I told you. You give me what you told me. We're good. But yeah. four-page legalese. I agree. I think that's it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Well, is there anything you would like to add before we end this great interview? No, I think I'm good. <laughs> I should get out of here before I get trapped anymore. You know? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chuck. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Bye.